Alright guys, welcome to episode 5 of Teacher's Take. On this episode, we're going to be covering Neil Brown's fit with WVU football. We're going to talk about why WVU basketball can't finish a single game. We got our bowl game recap now that college football season's over. We're going to cover a little bit on NBA headlines, our power rankings. We're going to have a little surprise MVP discussion that I think you guys will enjoy. We're going to go over the NFL's wild card weekend. And then we're going to wrap everything up with the divisional matchups that start today. All right, guys. So today's episode is brought to you by SCG Insurance Company. So SCG provides insurance throughout West Virginia and Virginia with offices in Beckley, Bell, Bluefield, Princeton, Bluewell, Welch, and Mullins. So pretty much the greater southern West Virginia area. Smarter insurance starts with experts who think a little differently. A company which understands your industry and what's on the line for you. At SCG Insurance, Inc., we've built our own business creating innovative solutions to the toughest risk management challenges. Our clients' financial security and quality of life are of the utmost importance to us. That's why, as your insurance advisor, we're dedicated to helping you make smart decisions, protecting you from the unexpected, and planning for the predictable. SCG Insurance Agency. Reach out to our good buddy Joe Wiley, 304-256-1668. 304-256-1668. Again, that's Joe Wiley at SCG Insurance Company, and uh, we look forward to this episode, guys. All right, let's get it on the road. Welcome back to First Period, guys. So, um, a lot of big news in WVU football. We have Neil Brown coming in as our head coach. Uh, I don't know that he's looking to fully overhaul the whole program, but it seems like at the beginning he is. Um, so, we're going to get into that. We got some predictions on recruiting and a couple other things we're going to touch on. Yeah. Well, you know, Neil Brown's going to have to take over this program from what Dana left it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now we're not going to have a whole lot coming back. Long's already declared for the draft. Greer's gone. Kajust. I mean, he's pretty much coming in with a barren. He is. He, he has. He doesn't have a complete roster, and he has quite a few scholarships to, to offer. Um one of the things he mentioned in his uh, in his acceptance speech was uh, he didn't look to bring guys from Troy. He didn't want to pull guys away from his university. I think some people might have taken that out of context. He didn't say that he was wasn't going to go after transfers. He just wasn't going to go after transfers at Troy. Yes. Um, I think the biggest thing coming in though is he is going to he really is going to have to overhaul the program because most of our assistants and um, a lot of our support staff. They're gone. They're gone. They went, you know, they went with Huggins. Um, I, I read this morning that Gibby Gibby is officially gone. I uh, don't know where he's going to go, but he is going to coach. It's late in the year, so maybe he takes a year off. Again, he still has guaranteed money on his contract. Um, great guy. You know, we could argue over him both ways, either way you want to go. But um, yeah, I think for me what's interesting moving forward is is Coning, the defensive coordinator, what changes is he going to bring? Yeah. Well, the thing is, being in the Big 12, you know that you're going to have to have a guy that knows how to defend the pass very, very well. And you're going to have to the, – the thing with the three three five, it's a gimmick of a defense, but it puts DBs on the field. It puts defensive backs on the field. Yes. And when you're trying to cover the pass, you need – faster guys that can match up with your slot receivers or your big, fast tight ends because you're running three, four wide receivers, a linebacker at 240 can't do the same as 
a DB at 215 that can run a 4-4 or 4-3 compared to the linebacker running a 4-7, 4-8. Yeah, and, you know, really for me, if if they can get a defensive coordinator in there that runs either that 3-3-5 scheme or maybe even a 4-2-5. I like, think that's – um, who runs – I think you mentioned that TCU – Oh, Gary Patterson's the D coordinator there. He does. They run like more of a four-two-five scheme out of mm-hmm. that, and it, it's similar to the three-three-five, but mm-hmm. you're getting more of a pass rush. Right. You're, you're kind of sacrificing maybe one extra coverage on like a tight end or out mm-hmm. in the flat, but with that four-two-five, you're getting that extra edge rusher in there, and mm-hmm. you're getting somebody to fill a gap in the middle. Who knows? Maybe that would be a better fit in the Big Twelve because TCU seems to be able to run it pretty effectively. Pretty, pretty effectively. Um, I read. Koning, uh he stated that he doesn't have a brand of defense, so to speak. I think great coaches acknowledge that and great coaches embrace that. Year to year, based on your talent, mm-hmm. you have to make changes. Yes. So if your talent allows you to run a 3-4, traditional, mm-hmm. run it. Yes. But if your talent doesn't, the best guys have to be on the field. Mm-hmm. So if your best guys aren't on the field you're not going to be your best football team. Well, I mean, just speaking from a coach's perspective, you got to play to your team's strengths. And if you're like you're saying, if your team's strength is a 3-4 or 4-3 or a 3-3, whatever you want to run, you got to play to that strength. And I have a feeling just with Brown coming from Troy, which is down in the southeast, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that within the very near future, you're going to see a more of a recruiting trail going from Morgantown down through Virginia, down through Florida, Georgia, Alabama, mm-hmm. Mississippi. We're going to hit that southeast hard. Yeah. And I'm not knocking the Texas and the Oklahoma and the California people. Football is different in the southeast. Mm-hmm. Like growing up in South Carolina, it's different. Mm-hmm. It's a lifestyle. It is not a sport that you right. just so happen to play. It is a lifestyle. And if he can get some of these kids that – come from Alabama, those linemen, Mm -hmm. those wide receivers from Florida, and then get a quarterback from Georgia or a quarterback from Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. or places that give you traditional good quarterback play, he could make something here. We could have the next Don Nealon, but he's got to be able to recruit, especially being in the Big 12. I think think he's proven that he can run a program and that he can recruit at Troy. Troy is not a prestigious university, and they don't, they're not a major conference, but uh, the success that he had there and the way that he ran his program, I think it, it, it speaks for itself. Um, one of the big things, I keep, <laughs> that's one of my go-to phrases, right? One of, my, one of the big things. Uh, something that's interesting for me is he's a Kentucky guy. You know, he's from uh, over there on the border by West Virginia and Kentucky area. Mm-hmm. I think if he recruits home, yeah. I think if he recruits Pennsylvania and Ohio and D.C., and, you know, some of the western Kentucky, Tennessee areas, or eastern Kentucky and eastern Tennessee area, um, there's a lot of talent there. There's a talent pool there. And from being at Troy, he's already established in the southeast, like you say. Mm-hmm. Um, early on in, in Dana's uh, time, he somewhat established a pipeline from Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made a, a, a comment in our production meeting that you don't know fast until you've seen Miami kids. Yes. And that's not Miami University, but kids that Man, it, are from the, Florida. Those kids that are from Miami and a little bit north of there, mm-hmm. I want to say maybe a pop guy. I can't remember the city for sure. They have cane fields, man. Mm-hmm. Like, in high school, we played against a team from out that area. Mm-hmm. 
they were blazing by us, and we had kids that ran four fours, right. and they made our guys look slow. slow. <laughs> I, I mean, and that's that's the difference, man. They're out there chasing rabbits in sugarcane fields, and we're out here running bleachers and running on a track every day of the year. Right. Well, but it's, it's five different. months out of the year you can't even go outside to run. Exactly. So. Like, and, and that's that's the problem. Yeah. And but the difference is, is like with Brown, and this is going against what I said last week compared to Fickle and Brown. Brown, like you're saying, he fits the recruiting mold. He can get out and recruit. Mm-hmm. Fickle, I have a feeling he's kind of maybe been one of those guys where he has to rely on his staff his his staff to go out and get, which is kind of bad, but mm-hmm. it's one of those deals. So I think Neil Brown, kudos to you for nailing on the head last <laughs> week. And I, I'm excited to see where we go from here. I will say his personality fit in, in, the, in the week of it being an official announcement uh, and listening to his uh, his uh, introduction I like the guy man he either he's a politician or he's a damn good coach yes because he says all the right things and he makes me want to play for him Mm -hmm. I mean I would want my son to play for that guy he is a stand-up guy he's family oriented Mm -hmm. he wants to have fun and he wants to work uh, and he wants to bring success. And he has familiar, familiarized himself with our program. And he brought out a tidbit that I didn't even know. Yeah, We're the 14th winningest program in the nation. Thank you, Don Nealon. Not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and think about that. I mean, there are 13 other programs that have won more games than WVU. Yeah. Out of how many? A hundred and... It's like 121. 121, and we're 14th. Yes. That is tradition. Yes. And that's not... We're not nationally spoke of as that, but I think that that kind of sets it in its place. And for him to do his research and bring that out to the public, I, I kudos for that. Well, I feel like his press conference was almost a shout to some of the recruits that have committed right now. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, stick with it. Come to us. Mm-hmm. And... Honestly, I'm all for it because these kids need a guy like him to be in charge. Mm-hmm. I think you and me were talking earlier in the week, and we had, and you made the comment that Holgerson was that guy that the players wanted to hang out with, yep. whereas Neil Brown could mentor these kids mm-hmm. and guide them down the right path. And that's mm-hmm. no knock on Dana because Dana was a cool guy. And he, he was the cool guy. Yeah. He was your AAU coach. Yes. But Neil Brown is that father figure that some of these kids need. Right. He's, he is that guy that these kids can rely on for life. Mm-hmm. His assistants are the cool guys. Mm-hmm. He is the leader. Yes. And I think that that's, I think, you know, that's going to be my opinion. Maybe a hot take is that he's going to provide the university and the program with the leadership it needed. Mm-hmm. And his inside guys are going to be more of that Holgerson type of personality. Yes. And I'm, I'm, like I said before, I'm hoping that this works out for the university, and I honestly think it will. I think the Big 12 is going to get a shot in the arm with this guy, and we're going to catch lightning in a bottle. I'm going to say next year we're bowl eligible. We're six to seven wins bowl eligible. And, you know, I'm kind of there with you. I'm actually going to take it a little bit further. I'm going to say possibly eight wins. And just because of the Big 12 and the fact that we get to play the Kansas – and I have a feeling that uh, less miles. 
Man, less give less miles two years, Kansas will be good. Next year, I'm not so Iowa sure. Iowa State's still there. You got the, the Big Twelve is. I, I agree with you though. Yeah. I think eight wins would be. I'd be ecstatic. The coming into this season, I said ten wins. Yep. Ten wins was ten wins was very attainable. Yes. Right. The national championship or the playoff was the ultimatum. Yes. But realistically, ten wins, I'm content. Yeah. We underachieved. We lost a North Carolina State game that we should have played. Mm-hmm. Uh, the year before, I said eight wins. That's reasonable. Eight wins. We, we ended up with seven wins. So I say six to seven wins next year, and we're bowl eligible. I think we very well could win eight wins just by the burst of energy that a new coach can put into a new program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to see this guy's offensive scheme in action against Big 12 defenses because – in the Sun Belt, it's different down there. That Sun Belt Conference generally a run happy league. In that league, it's it, he wanted to do more of an air raid, and I think well, that's going to fit he, more uh, into the Big Twelve. Uh, from listening to his press conference, he has very similar principles to Dana and Mike Leach because they came from the same thread. Yeah, one thing that he does. Um, in recent years, Dana has relied more on the run and been a little more balanced. Uh, Brown has actually leaned, percentage-wise, leaned a little more toward the run. Um, you're looking at like a 55-45. A wrinkle in his offense that Dana never had, uh, or maybe that he never used, was or is the option. He mm-hmm. likes to run the option. Um, but he still likes to put the four and five wide receivers out there, and he still likes to run the running back draws and the, uh, you know, the quick throws or the, the deep passes. The, the whole, the concepts of the air raid spread offense, he will run. Mm-hmm. But he has wrinkles here and there that are going to differ. And I think we're going to see him run the ball a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have a more level-headed Rich Rodriguez level spread, or what are we thinking? Um, I, you, know, you know what? I think that, that brings up a good point. I think we could, I think we have a mold of a Rich Rod and a Dana Mm-hmm. And that's offensively, defensively, and personality-wise. Yeah, I think if you molded them in together, that you would come up with something similar to Neil Brown. That's good. All right. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up everything about Neil Brown and WVU football this week. We're going to go ahead and move on to second period, and we're going to talk about why WVU cannot finish a single game. All right, guys, welcome back to second period. We're going to go ahead and talk about WVU basketball and why they cannot finish a single game, even if we held a gun to their head. My take on this, Mm -hmm. literally every game I've watched, there has been zero. I mean, in big neon letters, bold sign, Hollywood level, zero leadership on that basketball team. Um, I think Bolden tries to lead... He just doesn't. He doesn't fit the mold. No. Uh, I. The. The problem is we don't have anyone that can get to the rim. Yeah. We don't have anyone that can set up our offense and get to the rim, and we don't have the style of guys that want to play. Um, Huggins, was quoted in the in the media this week as to taking blame. Um, he said that it's his fault that our program is underachieving. Mm-hmm. He recruits these guys. He's supposed to be able to make them play hard. He's supposed to make them want to play. The effort that we're accustomed to seeing is not there, and he took full credit to that. 
Um, I will say right now we're live streaming Oklahoma State and WVU as we're doing our podcast. Um, not off to a good start. Not off to a great start. Uh, Culver is our future. And Lamont West, if he is consistent, he can be really good. But that guy puts up more goose eggs than I can. I mean, that he'll, was he'll, last week, or the game against Kansas State was stupid. Yeah, he'll he'll go um, he'll score twenty six points, and then the next game go zero for seven. Yeah, and then the next game he'll score twenty two points, and then the next game go zero for eight. Yeah, and that's literally if you look at his statistical stat line throughout the year, that is exactly how it goes. Yeah, I think it was Texas. Tech earlier in the week when they got beat by seven. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he had, like, probably his worst game of the year. And I'm just kind of sitting there scratching my head, like, is this even the same guy? So, Huggins, uh, whether there's truth to it or not, we're live streaming here to see if it's going to happen. Um, Huggins announced that he was looking to lift the red shirt off of Trey Dooms. So, Trey Dooms is a freshman coming in, and um, he's he's a gritty, grimy guard. He gets to the rim, and he, and he plays defense. And Huggins was quoted again in the media saying uh, he does some things that he's not seen this year and that he gets to the rim every day in practice, and we need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if he does lift the red shirt, we will see. Uh, eight and seven. Eight and seven, 0 oh and three in conference. That's a tough pill to swallow, man. Well, and we even made the comment a couple weeks ago. If they wanted a shot at the tournament, because they were riding that hot streak, they had yep. won a couple games in a row. If they wanted a shot at the tournament, they needed to get at least 10 to 11 conference wins. Yeah. And Five, right, 500 or better. Yeah, and right now they're in the hole three games. Three games. And it's not like they haven't been in it. Like That goes back to that leadership deal. They have no leadership. And because of that, it's showing. They've lost three conference games by a total of 12 points. How are you up 21 points in the second half and lose? How do you go up? How do you dominate all aspects of the game? All game. Every part you dominate and you let it go. Well, Uh, well, I look at the Texas Tech game, man. Texas Tech comes into your house. They're ranked. Like, they're nationally ranked. And they are a good basketball team. And they had them by the throat, pinned down, and naturally, within the last three minutes, nobody's there to lead that team and guide them, and they let Issa off the gas. Ahmad is not that guy. Issa's a joke. He is a joke. You see what happened. We Timeout against Kansas State. Play of the game. You make a basket. Your team probably wins. Yes. Right? What happens? Issa puts the ball on the floor. Misses his lo- hand. <laughs> loses the ball. Turnover. We lose the game. Dude, I'm telling right. you right now, I've... I've seen guys do that spin move in middle school basketball, and I've never seen them literally miss their whole hand. He missed the whole thing, throws it out of bounds, and then, like, I get what he was trying to do. He tried to play it off like it might have hit the guy. But then you look at all the angles, and it's like, bruh. (laughs) Um, Issa is not what anyone thought he was going to be. He was a highly touted recruit coming in, but he never had the effort from day one. He did not have the effort. He did not belong in Morgantown. He did not belong on Huggins' roster. And I think if he sets the tone for the culture for the players, because mm-hmm. he is the senior leader. Yes. Okay. He has the most minutes on the team. Yes. He's been there. That's the problem. Issa Ahmad, you're the problem. Mm-hmm. Coach Huggs, you recruited the guys like you said, man. 
it's a, it's a disappointing season. We expected more. I'm sure that uh, at the end of the season, you'll reflect and you'll make changes and you'll bring in the right type of guys. Oh, I, I'm I'm sure Huggins will make the changes. He's good for that. And you know, my friend that I work with, Bob Bolin, he's the old coach of Mountain State. Mm-hmm. He's even made the comment that you know Bobby's just going through this year. He's trying to just get everything in line. And I have a feeling that next year, if Huggins is the guy that I think he is and that everybody in the state thinks he is, he's going to come in with a full head of steam and we're going to have a darn good basketball team come next season. I agree. Um, I think uh, – what route was I going? Uh, well, you know, we got Culver too. Like I, I meant to bring this up earlier. Culver on the season, we were talking about how it's his future. Homeboy is averaging twelve and eight, and he's only yeah. and he's only played in five games. Well, speaking of Culver, uh, I have a buddy who has some insight on the sports at the university. He said apparently Culver's mom insisted that he went to WVU because he wanted him to be. She wanted him to be coached by Huggins, and she was glad that Huggins benched him or suspended him for the first half of the season. That it was the character check that he needed, and he needs that positive, strict role model. And I think with hearing that, whether there's some validity to it or not, I, I can't say 100%, but I think that means that he's going to stick around, and if that kid sticks around, we have potential. We do, and if it, if a guy like Culver can get a decent guard, and I'm not saying McCabe's not that guy, but... He's a, not. I'll Ma- say it, he's not. McCabe, if he's going to be anything for our team, he's got to learn how to... He's small, and he's got to learn how to play within himself. This is the thing, man. I know you, you kind of support him, and I don't like not supporting him. Um, I don't think he has the athleticism to play at this level and to impact the game enough. Are you saying like Big 12 or D1? Just Big 12. Big 12. I think mid-major, yes. he could. Like, like Dayton. Dayton, yes. <laughs> Liberty or uh, Gonzaga's conference, like yeah. something like that. Absolutely. But to be in the Big 12 against those athletes where he's probably six foot with high heels on. Yeah. And he's probably 180 with rocks in his pocket. And he's not fleet of foot. No. He can't jump. And you can see, if you watch him, if you really evaluate him on the floor, you can see, because I've been there too. When you're in high school, certain things work. Mm-hmm. You know? And when you're in AAU, certain things work. But when you get to that level... And you try to hit that same go-to move, and the guy's still standing right in front of you like you didn't do anything. Yeah, it's not working. Yeah, and Huggins, Huggins keeps him on a short leash. Um, I just don't know that he has it. I really don't. I don't. I don't know that he has it. He his shooting release is not fast enough. He can't create space, and he has a hard time seeing over the defense because of his size. Um, now, now listen. I will be the first to say. I want him to succeed. I want him to do well, but I truly don't think that he can do it. Well, you know, all these things you're saying, like, I I get it, but the guy that you just described as an ideal guard transferred from our team last year. Who's that? Teddy Buckets. Oh, Teddy Buckets was a forward. Teddy Buckets got buckets. Yeah, I mean, he he might have been a forward, but that dude could ball. Oh, yeah, he, he had one thing on his mind. When Teddy Buckets got the ball, he was going to the rim. Mm-hmm. That was it. Didn't care. Triple tweet, 
double team, triple team, didn't matter. He's putting the ball on the rim, and we're either going to get an offensive rebound or Teddy's getting buckets. Yes, <laughs> and that's the kind of guy I think Huggins really needs. And I'm not saying that it has to be a guard. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that somebody has to be able to work with Culver, either on a pick and roll, a pick and pop, something that we can work well, with them. in the confines of our offense, Culver is able to get the ball, but our guards don't always get it to him. And we're not always able to get into our sets. Mm-hmm. So our offense is designed to get guys looks in the mid to low post. Um, and we look for some cuts and things like that. But uh, when the shot clock runs down and you try to break down a, a pick and roll, um, we don't necessarily have a guard that can. Beetle, when Beetle runs the pick and roll, Beetle's running the pick and roll to get his shot. And he's not looking to get to the rim. He's looking to get a three or a mid-range. Yes. Um, anyone else that runs the pick and roll, Chase Harler, he, he runs the pick and roll so that he can hit the roll man or so that he can reverse the ball and try to get a shot. He's not looking to score. McCabe just cannot cre- can't get to the rim even on a pick and roll. He can't shoot over the switch on a pick and roll, so he's not really looking to do anything. Maybe try to get it to the roll man, yeah. but they just can't generate offense with that. Really, that really getting the ball to the roll man is really McCabe's only option until he can learn to create space, like you were saying. He right. he is he fifty he is fifty shades of screwed in that regard. Absolutely, um, and I wish him luck. Uh, I I really think that Culver is our future. I think Lamont West needs to develop to develop some consistency. Um, well, I was just looking. Haley, at, I was looking at the box scores for West earlier. Mm-hmm. Literally against Texas Tech, zero. A yep. goose egg for West. Against Kansas State, twenty-one. 20, yeah, <laughs> like, that's how it is. Um, Haley has played really good ball lately. My favorite player, Wes Harris, has taken a step back the past couple games. Um, Chase Harler is still not doing much. Uh, Gordon playing some. Decent minutes, but he's still learning how to play the game. Yeah. Big man coming off the bench. Logan Route is uh, sometimes he'll play 10 minutes, sometimes he'll play two. <laughs> well, I think with Culver coming on strong, um, that it's going to be fun to watch. Ahmad. They just need to start Ahmad, cutting his minutes. Yeah, I mean, when, we're, when you're 8-7 and seven and he's still not producing, what's the point in having a guy in on the court, you know, he's not, he doesn't have NBA potential. If anything, he might be able to play overseas, maybe. Um, Haley needs to play more. Culver needs to play more. Bolden needs to play more. And, um, you know, if this Trey Dooms kid's kid is able to get to the rim, play him. Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to go ahead and wrap up second period. Now we're going to move on to everybody's probably least favorite topic, and that would be the end of college football this year. Welcome back to third period, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about college football, the national championship, and uh, we're going to do a bowl game recap. So, uh, as you all know, Clemson pulled out a win, and they did it in complete domination. They absolutely dominated. See, man, we don't say that word in this household. We just, we just don't say it. No Clemson? Mm-mm. That, no Clemson? Mm-mm. No. no so, that, um, that evil team from the upstate. So, before... We get into our bowl game recap. Is Clemson the new Alabama? And is Saban done? Is this the beginning of the end? I do think Clemson's catching up. Mostly because of their ability to move the football offensively. Mm-hmm. 
and the fact that they're able to get such awesome defensive line and linebacker play. Yeah. I think secondary still sucks. The secondary for Clemson is subpar. They've got a little bit to catch up with them there. Offensively, though, Clemson's passed Alabama. Oh, absolutely. They they have surpassed them. Sunshine is Sunshine Sun, would be the number one draft pick. Yeah, right now. Sunshine's the truth. Yeah. Like he he is. And in regards to whether they've caught with Bama, they're they're neck and neck. Yeah, I hey, think um, after next year. We'll be able to see. Yeah, I think uh, Saban is gonna is gonna recap this year. He's gonna reflect, and I think he's gonna have a fire under his under his team next year. They're gonna play like furious predators. They're gonna they're gonna be hungry and they're gonna be on the hunt. Right. And I think that they're gonna run through the SEC. I think that uh, Tua is gonna come back better. He's gonna study film. He's gonna he's gonna work all summer to be a better player, and I mean Saban, Saban doesn't rebuild; he reloads. Yes, you know, and that's the same thing with Clemson. You okay? You lose eight guys to the NFL. Well, you have a five star backup. Yeah. So and then his backup is probably a four star yeah. or a five star freshman. So. Well, see, they they don't have an issue with depth. Now, in regards to is Saban done? Saban's sixty seven years old. I say when Saban turns 70, he'll retire. I say he, I could see that. I see, and what I see within the next three years, I think next year is going to be the tell year. He's either going to come out guns blazing or he's going to come out complacent, know that he's going to breeze through the SEC, annihilate whoever because he's got the best coaching staff in America, apparently other than on the offense because that was pathetic. And... Credit Venables defense. I'm gonna get to Venables in a second. You don't it, like him? I, no, it's not that I don't like him. I think Come he's. On, a, yeah. I, I think he's overrated. I don't I, think so. I, I he won a national championship and he dominated off. Uh, he dominated Alabama. You, all right. Sidetrack. I'm gonna go ahead and get on it. South Carolina won seven football games. This it's year. different in rivalry. Games. South Carolina won seven football games. We started ten true freshmen. We burnt redshirt. That's fine. But how? And we st- we Jake Bentley. Jake Bentley That's put up five hundred plus yards on Who? Venables' defense. What about injuries? They didn't have any injuries. They literally all Clemson's def- defense played, and we st- and we put five hundred yards passing. You played in rivalry games, right? Oh man, I played in a crap ton. But and rivalry I, games are way different. Oh man, they're way different, dude. I, I get that, I do. But what I'm telling you is, is if Clemson's defense was so amazing, and if you watch as much, I'm not saying they're amazing. I'm yeah. saying they're really good. If you watched as much South Carolina football as I did, and you watched the fact that Vanderbilt held us under 300 yards, mm-hmm. and then we go to Clemson. Well, and you you have to acknowledge too when you, they probably pulled stuff out of their playbook against Clemson that nobody else had seen. Dude, I I'm telling you, no, I, I'm telling you, I watched I watched South Carolina. I literally, you can ask my wife. Alabama I, gave up how many points to Citadel? Dude, I understand that, but, but they all but they also sat them. They also sat people. Clemson didn't sit a soul because that was their senior day. It's a rivalry. I get that, but you can. I'm serious. I watched all their games. The fact that South Carolina put up 500 yards, they on, still lost. Though. They still lost, but they. But thing is, is if they had any glimpse of a team, they would have beat Clemson that week. But they don't. Alabama, they started ten true freshmen. The nation's, the nation's statistical leaders in defense 
majority are in the SEC. Yes. And Alabama put up pretty good numbers against them as a whole. They did. The whole season. Yes. So they, I'll take one fluke game against South Carolina. One fluke game. Because mm. throughout the season, Clemson's defense was pretty solid. I don't know their national ranking, but they were pretty solid. Well, wouldn't you be good too if you played against Pitt? I'm not going to argue that either. But, yeah. I mean, when, you, um, when you're playing a seven-win team in your conference championship. I'm not going to argue that, but I will say they they dominated Notre Dame, which probably didn't deserve to be there. Oh, they, they but totally in, in But in looking at that, Georgia was dominated by Texas, so I don't... And I'm not going to make and I'm yeah, not going to yeah, make yeah. excuses for him. No, that, that was um, that was the worst showing I've seen from Georgia in since Mark Rick left. Yeah. So Clemson dominated Notre Dame, and then Clemson came in and dominated the best team in football. I think Alabama going into that game was the best team in football so, yeah. because I still had questions with Clemson. But coming out on the other side, I think it's clear cut. Clemson is now. Clemson mm-hmm. is. Developing into the Alabama of the last decade and the USC the decade before that. I can see that, but I'm still not sold on Venables. I think there's a reason why he's the highest paid defensive coordinator and he's yet to get a job, unlike Is he, previous assistants. Does he want a job? Dude, he's already applied for like three. And he, and he hasn't got picked because people see him for what he is. I'm telling you right now, Dabo Swinney... He is the mastermind behind a lot oh, of this scheme. Discre- absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, the first three or four championships Saban won, or national championships from 2008 to 2012, you, we didn't hear of Saban Disciples. Hmm. It wasn't until the 2013, 2014, 2015 you hear of Saban Disciples. So hmm. maybe he hasn't earned his way yet. Well, the well, thing is, is if you look at Clemson's track record, they have always had the highest paid coordinators in college football. And what happens is, the offensive coordinators get jobs. Tony Elliott, one of the co-offensive coordinators at Clemson, going to get a job somewhere else this offseason. He's going to leave. They've already got Chad Morris from years past. I think he was at SMU. I want to say he might be at Arkansas now, but I'm not 100% sure. I want to. It's either at SMU or Arkansas. They, they get coordinators' jobs elsewhere, and Venables hasn't got a job elsewhere because people see him for what he is. Why would you want to – he has he's probably the highest paid uh, assistant or coordinator. Oh, he's he making like one two. One, yeah, he's two ma- he's making over two million dollars just to coach one side of the ball. So, I'll take two million. We're paying Neil Brown three point one. I know to run the whole program, and I know. he's getting two point one to run defense. And what I'm and what I'm saying is, is that if he's that good of a coordinator, he would have a head now, coaching I'm, job. I'm by saying now. he schematically, game plan wise, he's damn good. Yeah, and he's proven that. I think in the national cha- in the playoffs and in the national championship games when scheme matters most because when you play in those games you're going to pull out some things that you haven't necessarily showed all year yeah. right and you're going to run some schemes to confuse the quarterback or whatever it is confuse the offensive coordinator schematically he he does in in the last 3 to 4 years in the playoffs and in and in the uh championship games that defense has played well it's played really well and it's different. Week to week in the regular season, it's different because teams know what you do. You can get exploited more week to week than you can in the playoffs when you have more time to key in and, and scheme up and do things like that. Yeah. So. Now, now, let's be fair. They pretty much had a bye with Notre Dame. Hey, I mean, either way, Notre Dame is still a power football school. If Notre Dame would compete in any power conference. They would compete for the championship in any power conference. We could agree on that. 
I, I, I could agree on that, but here's the thing. With them in the ACC, do you really think that they would have represented? If, no, they wouldn't have beat Clemson, but they would have probably, depending on which side they were on, they would have played Clemson in the championship, yeah. and they'd have put up a better show than Pitt. They, same thing, if you look at the Pac-12, they're just as good as the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah. They're just as good as Oklahoma or Texas. They're just as good as Ohio State and Michigan. You know, they're, they're – yeah, so. I, honestly, I thought Michigan was overrated most of the year. Well, they don't have defense. I mean, they don't have any offense. No. And, 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 and when Patterson, you, what, Patterson wasn't what I thought he was going to be no, up there. I thought he was no, going to have the old Miss level. You know player. what, though? I, you know what I say? Um, the coordinator impacts that. Yeah. They – they he is like the Joe Flacco. You know what I mean? They – they don't set him up with enough for sure plays to get him comfortable to develop his rhythm. Yeah. And then when you get, you know, you start seeing ghosts when guys start coming at you. So, um, well, now we're now that we got on our big rant, rant. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, Brent Venables, I hope you do get another job somewhere. And then when hopefully it's in the SEC, so South Carolina can drop five hundred more yards on you. Now, we're gonna go ahead and cover the bowl picks and. We're just going to do a quick rundown, wins, losses, and, and that's basically it, guys. And now before we get too far into this, Don, you care to go over the records on this one? The records. I'm sitting there at a hard and heavy 11-11. and 11. So uh, we only picked 22 games. We didn't pick all games. Uh, we didn't feel like it. We didn't feel like every game needed touched on. So we picked the 22 games. So, so who ended up winning that? I think it was my man Eli. He ended up being 13-8. and eight. <laughs> Nothing to brag about, that's no, for sure. No, no. He, um... You know, I was convinced by him that Purdue would be pretty solid, and I, I, uh, I was let down. You were let down, <laughs> dude. I wanted to put my foot through the TV. Oh yeah, man. I'm it, just, I'm just picking. Oh um, yeah, dude. I, I'm telling you right now, just looking down this list. Yeah. The SEC is not what it used to be. Like they went I, what seven and seven in bowl season. Something like that. I think. Um, the SEC is still where you go if you want to go pro. Um, I mean, I think it's still a good conference. I, I hate them. I hate SEC bias. I know Eli is a big SEC fan, but I just don't like them. Yeah. Um, I think we covered we covered up into the we got we got the Auto Nation Cure Bowl. We had Louisiana Lafayette versus Tulane. That was our first game. Yep, and then so we both lost that when we picked Louisiana. Yep. Um, Arizona State lost to Fresno. And I got that one because they absolutely annihilated Nihilated her. Man. I, I picked Herm Edwards with that. Yeah. Uh, we both picked Appalachian State over Middle Tennessee. Yep. Um, they had a fair showing. UAB, we talked about that one in depth. Oh, the, they annihilated Northern Illinois. It's very impressive. Uh, San Diego State versus Ohio, that game did not go as anticipated. No, well, that quarterback for Ohio, man, he – yeah, Dual did, threat guy. Yeah, just like what I was talking about in the bowl picks, he absolutely mm-hmm. owned the game. Doc Holliday had his crew fired up down there at Marshall versus South Florida. Uh, South Florida almost just didn't show up, man. Um, well, they had a blue – Marshall I was super excited for. I actually watched that game a little bit. A kid mm-hmm. from Bluefield, Mookie Collier, actually yeah. got to play a little bit in that game. That's awesome, isn't it? Uh, yep. Houston versus Army. Houston, um, their well, program was just in shambles, in my opinion, and Army really just played solid. Well, I mean, they didn't have Ed Oliver. He sat out for like the sixth week in a row, and then uh, the coach. Pretty, I think the coach pretty much had a notion he was going to. He was going to get fired or let go. Yeah, um, but coach, 
kudos to Army. They absolutely had a killer showing. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought Troy versus Buffalo when we picked this game? Um, who would have thought that the that the coach down there at Troy would be at WVU right now? So Troy pulled out that win as Dollar General Bowl. It provided Troy with their tenth win of that season, right? Yep. And then I picked Buffalo, and Khalil Mack wasn't walking through that door, so no, they, they didn't have a prayer. Duke versus Temple. Duke looked like a solid football team. Came out with the win. Yeah, that, uh, Ratcliffe. Heck, that guy is an amazing coach. Mm-hmm. You know, fun fact: ever since he came to Duke, they have never had a kid transfer. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new era pinstripe bowl, Wisconsin and Miami. Miami, um, Mark Rick retired, mm-hmm. and Miami just did not look like nope. they had it. Yeah, and Rick at Miami, that wasn't going to last long it anyway. I love his morals, and I think he's a great guy. He didn't fit the mold of that university. No. Uh, the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. That's a mouthful. I got to burn that game out of my head. That oh, was. Man. Now, I will say this. Rondell Moore did have a good game. He yeah. he did exactly what I thought he would, but watching Purdue Auburn, play defense was awful. Auburn, it, they were up by what forty points at half. Yeah. Oh, they they set a bowl record for the most points in a half. Yeah. Um, the Alamo Bowl, Washington State versus Iowa State. That was a fun game to watch. We both picked Washington State, right? Mm-hmm. And Washington State with the uh, what's my man's uh, Mike Leach up there pulled yeah. it out. Yep. And um, then we had the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. We had Michigan versus Florida. We uh, both picked Michigan. Uh, no, I picked Florida. You did? I picked Michigan. Yeah, I, I had to go with Florida on that one just for the basic fact that Harbaugh doesn't win bowl games. He like, doesn't. Yeah, he really doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's just not very good, let's be, be honest. Yeah. Um, then, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about the Belk Bowl. That, that's, that hey, was, you that, know, <laughs> that was Virginia depressing. and South Carolina. I picked Virginia, and mm-hmm. I just had a feeling that – I don't know. I don't know what's going on with South Carolina. Um, I know you say that they're ahead of schedule compared to uh, the old ball coach. Yeah. But uh, well, here's, it's, it's it's a tough conference, and it's tough to recruit there, I imagine. Well, it, it's not necessarily tough to recruit there. What the issue is is that we're in a hotbed. We're between Georgia and Tennessee, Florida, Alabama, Arkansas. Like We got all those schools in the SEC, and where are you wanting to go when you go pro? You're wanting to go to Georgia or you're wanting to go to Alabama? Or, right. I mean, they're gonna get you go to those two schools, you're going to get drafted. You can right. be the third string and you're going to get it. Um, then we had the uh, – we're, we're going to skip the, the playoff. We'll come back to it. Uh, the military bowl was Virginia Tech and Cincinnati. I picked Virginia Tech. And I picked Cincy with uh, Luke Fickle, the guy who was the second candidate, candidate for WVU. And who came out with that win? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And then Hyundai Sun Bowl, Stanford versus Pitt. I picked Stanford. I did too. And they came out with the win on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah versus Northwestern. See, I went with Northwestern on that pick. I just, I absolutely love watching Pat Fitzgerald coach teams. I agree, teams. I agree, and I picked them as well, and they came out with the win. Yeah. Mississippi State versus Iowa, the Outback Bowl. Yeah, that was actually a fun game to watch. Uh, Mississippi State had a few chances there at the end. But Iowa and Kirk Ferentz, that coach, they were a well-prepared, well-coached team, and they just held their own and ended up getting the win. So free coconut shrimp for folks. <laughs> the uh, Citrus Bowl, uh, Penn State versus Kentucky. See, this is the one that actually I think won the bowl pick for me because it, I think uh, Kentucky surprised a lot of people. People, yeah. I mean, Benny Snell came out there. and he I had, thought they were early. Uh, oh, dude, he, he came out and played awesome. Yeah, I didn't think that they were going to be here. I mean, you, you saw the regular season that they played really well, but I didn't think that they would be able to do what they did and, and, and 
they were able to. Yeah. Uh, then Georgia versus Texas, that really wasn't much of a game, was it? No, it, it literally it took them all the way to Georgia, all the way to the end of the game to finally get any offense. Like they scored 14 in the fourth quarter, and they ended up losing 28-21. But it, it, honestly, the whole game wasn't even that close. Yeah, so Texas put out a tough win there. Then looking at the playoff, um, of course, uh, if you listen to our uh, episodes beforehand, I wasn't big on Alabama. I thought Oklahoma was going to upset Alabama, and I did pick Clemson and Oklahoma in the national championship, and I picked Oklahoma to win it all. So I was wrong in that aspect, but I did pick Clemson. See, I went with Clemson and Alabama. I knew that those were the top two teams in the country. The problem with it was was admitting that those evil orange team from the upstate was that good of a football team. And then I ended up getting beat in the national title game because I picked Bama over Clemson, and we saw how that turned out. Yeah, so, um, Unfortunately, that brings college football, my favorite time of year, to the end, to an end. Um, but this is a great time of year as well. So that's going to wrap up this segment. Um, stay tuned for fourth period. All right, guys, welcome to fourth period. So we're going to go ahead and have a bell ringer for this period. Don, who do you think is your MVP for the year right now? My MVP for the year right now, as it stands right now, James Harden. James Harden is statistically the best player in the league right now. I think um, if you look at his ability and what he's done um, this season since Chris Paul has been down, is phenomenal. He's daggone near averaging a triple-double. Um, he gets to the free throw line, he creates for his teammates, he knocks down shots, um, he's not the greatest defensive player, but he's had improved efforts over the past, so right now he's averaging 34, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, right? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty on good stat line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, uh, his knock is the defense, but I think that I think the Rockets are better fit without Chris Paul. I think if they had another shooter um, and somewhat of a creator, they don't need another ball-dominant guard. They need just someone that can give them about 20 points a game, someone similar to who they have in an Eric Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if they had like a stretch four, you know who they need? Yeah. Trevor Ariza. Yeah, that would definitely come in handy. Um He's fun to watch. He's he's quirky. He's unorthodox. He he can do things that you don't typically see. He gets away with a lot. Um, he's kind of a little Manu Ginobili esque with the way he plays and his his the irregular irregular. I can't say the word. The weird motions he has and and the way that he creates space and gets to the rim. It's just different and it's fun to watch and he puts up numbers. Yeah, and you see, my takeaway. For the MVP is the Greek freak, Mr. Ante Tacumpo himself. Ante Tacumpo, I think that uh, translates into can't shoot the ball. He may not be able to shoot, <laughs> but homeboy can get to the rim. They he can do everything. He there was a picture going viral on him that he started a layup from the free throw line and literally split two defenders mm-hmm. and landed out of bounds. Uh-huh. And with a guy like that. You give him another year, and he will have a jump shot. I don't think he will. I think I think he's going to eventually get I a jump shot. I don't think he has the mechanics. I think, um, solely my opinion, I know he has a work ethic. 
I think that he's fallen in love with the weight room because if you read a lot of on him, he's put on a ton of weight since he came into the league. Oh, he has, dude. When he got drafted, he weighed like 200 even, yeah, and he now was. he's up to 242. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure that he will be able to develop a jump shot. I'm not sure that his mechanics will allow him, and his 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 arms are so long, and, and his hands are so big, and... You know, to be how old is he now? He's um. Let's see. He's four years. Twenty. Old he's twenty. He's twenty-four years old. He's twenty-four. At twenty-four years old, if you haven't developed a jump shot, how can you tell me that you're going to? You know, I mean. But here's the thing: you talked about that work ethic. He's got that kind of work ethic that I feel like if somebody tells him he can't do something, he's going to do everything in his power to go out and prove them wrong. I can give you credit for that. Uh, Phenomenal player, absolutely phenomenal. He dominates the game as well. He gets to the rim, he demands a double team, and he scores over double team. He rebounds the ball. Um, he's a good assist man, but like I've told you before, my biggest thing, the regular season is fun to watch, but when it comes to the playoffs and that floor shrinks and you know they game plan to him, and and the and you know he's not able to knock down those shots. I think it's gonna it's gonna cripple their offense and it's gonna make it difficult for them to score. Um, we'll see. I think he's gonna. This is why I think the biggest kinda, reason. Kind of like win. you remember LeBron and what was it? The year that he took Cleveland to the finals before he went to Miami. That was when we were still in high school, wasn't that was, was something like it that. was when they played the Spurs and yeah. the and Spurs, the Spurs just beat, yeah they just beat the I crap think out of them. It's some, it's going to be something similar to that. Yeah. I don't think they're good enough to make the finals, but if they did, I think it would be something similar to that because LeBron at that time was a lot like Giannis is right now. Yes, and eventually LeBron learned how to shoot. LeBron always knew how to shoot, mm-hmm. and he always took shots. LeBron is always averaged. Giannis doesn't shoot. He, he does not shoot outside of fifteen feet. But he also has Eric Bledsoe, and he doesn't so, need to shoot. So I mean, say LeBron got- had guys too. I'm just saying. He, it's not even in his game, in the design of his game or his mentality to do it. And there's going to be a time where he's forced to do it. And if you, in the regular season, if you're not doing it, you're not going to miraculously do it in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, probably my biggest reason, along with me thinking that eventually he's going to develop into something in season's future, because this season, MVP-wise, I think he's going to win it because he is the most valuable player to that team. Uh, and that and that's not knocking James Harden. I think, I mean, here's the thing. You take... If you take Harden off of the Rockets right now, there might be eight seed, nine seed. Maybe. I think if you take Giannis off, they're still a pretty good team. You think? Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe. Dude, they had Middleton before him, and, Middle- and they they made the playoffs three or four years ago when he was averaging eight points a game. I know, but here's so. the th- but here's the <laughs> thing with Middleton, it just depends. Like Middleton is one of those guys where. Because I grew up watching him at Porter Gallup down in yeah, Charleston. And he played at Texas A&M, but he's, he, like he, he's, he's a good player. He is a good player, but here's the thing. He can't carry a team. Giannis can literally take this team and carry them. Uh, yeah, if I mean, they Now that they've given him power, as opposed to when he was a younger kid, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys. I mean, he's averaging 26-12 and a block and a half a game, along with 1.3 one, steals a game. Like, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he dominates the ball on both sides. When the floor shrinks, that's when the tell the tell of the tech will be when the floor shrinks in the playoffs and how he's able to 
respond. Yeah, and hopefully he figures it out. And I would love to see the Bucks actually be more competitive than what LeBron and them did whenever he was. Well, LeBron was competitive enough to take his team to the finals. Yeah, I think in with, the finals. I think with the Eastern game, Conference, and, I think with the Eastern Conference and how weak it is, he could legitimately carry them there. Oh and yeah. then, then get their teeth kicked in, of course. By but State, but but, yeah. but they'll make. I think I have a feeling that he could at least carry them to make it because all it takes is him going on a hot streak. Yeah. All right, so now that we got our MVP takes, let's go ahead and jump over to our power rankings. And we're going to go ahead and start with the Eastern Conference, not to be confused with the Eastern Conference. <laughs> All right, Don, take it away. So um, the Raptors sitting there, top of the, top of the East, um, 32 wins over Milwaukee's 29 wins. Hmm. Uh, Toronto is just a really good team. They look good. Um, my man up there. From the Spurs. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Drew, drew a blank there for a second. Kawhi Leonard is fitting in pretty good. Milwaukee with Giannis and uh, the supporting cast they have. They're looking really good. The Pacers coming in at three with Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo is probably one of my favorite players. Second to maybe like a Donovan Mitchell and a Steph Curry right now in the league. Um, and then you're looking at the Philadelphia 76ers. They're, uh, they're starting to fall apart a little they bit. They are starting to fall apart. They have a lot of ramblings in the locker room with Jimmy Butler and then their big man Embiid and this and that. So you never really know. Uh, but that's my East Coast or uh, Eastern Conference power rankings, top four. And, and mine match yours. And really, I want to put the Bucks at one, but it's going to be really hard for me with the way that Kawhi and them have been playing up north. It's just been re- – they've been really fun to watch, honestly. Yeah. All right, so that wraps up our Eastern Conference. Let's go ahead and move to our Western Conference. So in the West, I think you and I differ a little. Um, you know, Denver is up right now. Um, they have the same amount of wins as Golden State, but Golden State has two more losses. Golden State's still the best team in the East – or in the West. Golden State's going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the finals, and they're – Probably going to win another championship. Yeah. Um, Denver is a very fun team to watch, and they play f- like they they look like you would like to play with them. So Denver sitting at one. We have Golden State at two. I think Golden State's the true number one. Denver's the true number two. Oklahoma City is still going to be my number three, al- although they've uh, not played the greatest as of late. Um, and then you know Portland is solid. I'm not a believer in Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum. I love their games. I just don't believe in them, and I don't think that long term it plays out well in the playoffs. See, I love Dime Time. He's my favorite. Uh, my West does differ from yours a little bit. My number one is Golden State because, like I've said in weeks past, until somebody beats them in the NBA Finals, they're always going to be number one. My two was the Portland Trailblazers because I believe in dime time. I have a feeling that by the end of the year, they're going to end up catching up with Denver because they're actually not that far behind. You've they're been only three anti-Denver all year, though. I have, but it's because I don't believe that they're going to be consistent. I think that they're going to end up fading. Okay. I do believe in Jamal Murray. I yeah. think that he is a fun point guard to watch. Uh-huh. Now, number three, I do have Denver. Okay. I, I actually put them in my top four this week. Okay. I, I do have a little bit of faith in them there. And then at four, my sleeper pick for the rest of the year, the Houston Rockets. Because if James Harden keeps staying James on this Harden hot streak. Bust, right? Yeah, I mean, if he stays on this hot streak, they got a chance. Yeah, so, well, guys, that's going cont- uh, to end this segment. Um, stay tuned for fifth period. Welcome back to fifth period, guys. Uh, we're going to do a rundown of uh, the playoff picture in the NFL. Uh, we're going to go over the AFC-NFC action and give you some Super Bowl picks. 
All right, in our first game on our slate, we've got the AFC. We have the Chargers at the Patriots. Who you got, Don? Chargers and the Patriots. I'm rolling with Phillip Rivers. He deserves it. He's been in the league for a long time. He's a stand-up guy, and he's a damn good quarterback. And I'm on the same boat with you. I would absolutely love for Phillip Rivers to score a touchdown for every kid he has. That would be really awesome. be five touchdowns. I know. It would be <laughs> awesome. All right, so now on the second part, We've got the, the Colts, Colts and the Chiefs. Yep, and it's at Arrowhead. Yeah, so for me, I'm rolling with the Chiefs. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes can make up for Andy Reid's shortcoming. See, me, they proved me wrong last week against the Texans. I'm just going to roll with them. I'm going to roll with them until they prove me wrong again. Is that some bias because of the wife? Nah, surprisingly not. I actually really like that right guy. I really like him, and I like Andrew Luck. I'm going to go ahead and roll with them over the Chiefs in my upset pick of the week. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, we're going to go down to the NFC. We'll come back and um, and make our championship game predictor, but uh, we're going to go down to the NFC. We're looking at the Cowboys and the Rams, and they're playing out in L.A. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Rams over the Cowboys. I think the Rams are just going to be too much to handle for the Cowboys. I'm looking at um, the Cowboys are going to dominate possession, and they're going to put their imprint on the game. And I think that it's going to be a 27-24 type of game, and the Cowboys pull it out. Oh, man, Dak or bust. Kind of. <laughs> um, then you're looking at Saints and the Eagles, man. The Eagles, wow. <laughs> to We wrote them off. Our first episode five weeks ago, we wrote them off. Yes. We legit wrote them <laughs> off. I know. If I say they kind of – maybe they heard this, and they used it as bulletin yeah. board material. <laughs> um, but the Eagles' Cinderella run for me comes to an end, and the Saints win because they have one hell of a motivator and one phenomenal quarterback. Yeah, um, I'm on the same bandwagon there. I really like Drew Brees, and I like the Saints in that game. I just I think the Eagles and the Nick Foles run is done. Yeah, uh, I will say, um, apparently Sean Payton brought in $250,000 cash, mm-hmm. a Super Bowl ring, and the and, trophy, and the trophy. And physical armed guards to guard it into a team meeting to mm. motivate his guys. And yeah. he said, "If you got," he said some some words that we can't say on our podcast. But he's basically said, "Hey, if you want this, win what three games? Yeah, win three games." And the really cool thing about it is, is that's a good motivational tactic because each have play- you ever seen the most money I've ever seen was like ten grand cash. Yeah, right. Like you think of. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You see it in person, like like you can feel it and touch it and see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and thing is, is all those NFL guys that are in that locker room, they have a bonus and there's in their and, contracts yeah. that if they make it to the Super Bowl, they get an extra two hundred twenty five, two hundred fifty grand. Right. I mean, I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. Well, bringing it back in. So, um, in the AFC. Uh. So if our picks stay true in the AFC, I'm going to roll with uh, it's the Chargers versus the Chiefs is who I would have lined up right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to go with the Chargers. I believe Philip Rivers is going to pull it out, and Philip Rivers is going to make it to the Super Bowl. And I've got the Chargers versus the Colts based on my picks. And like I said before, I'm going to ride the Colts all the way to the Super Bowl. Fair enough. Uh, bouncing back down to the NFC, it looks like for me, I would have the Cowboys and the Saints. Uh, and I think that the Cowboys offensively just wouldn't have enough firepower to keep up with the Saints, and I think the Saints would pull it off. Yeah. And I've got the Rams versus Saints, kind of a rematch from the regular season. And I've got the Saints pulling this one out and making it to a Super Bowl rematch against the Indianapolis Colts. And for me, it's going to be the Saints and the Chargers. 
in the Super Bowl, and I think that Phillip Rivers finally gets his due and wins a Super Bowl and solidifies his legacy as a Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, I've got the Colts versus the Saints in the Super Bowl, which I'm sure my in-laws and my wife would absolutely love because they love Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely love their Colts. Well, because where Drew Brees go to school? Purdue. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And I said I was going to ride the Colts to the Super Bowl, but that's where the buck stops. Fair enough. I just don't think any team's going to beat the Saints. Saints. I think that's going to be really hard for the Colts to overcome that. So I'm going to ride the Saints to a Super Bowl win. Good deal. Um, well, guys, that that's going to end this week's segment. We appreciate you tuning in and listening. So... Don't forget to always like, subscribe, share, um, email us, DM us, anything, um, anything to just spread, spread the word. Help us get some notoriety. Uh, help us get some followers. We really enjoy putting this content out. Um, keep in touch with us. Give us a review on iTunes, the whole take. So it's Teachers Take West Virginia on all platforms. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and it's Teachers Take West Virginia at gmail.com. That's our email. Shoot us an email if you have any questions. If there's anything that you would like to know or anything you would like us to cover, again, send us a direct message. Shout us out on Twitter or Facebook um, or send us an email. So spread the word, like, share, comment, do the whole thing, man. Uh, we have a, as we mentioned earlier on, we're going to do another uh, giveaway with a gift card. So we'll have uh, information on, on that to come. We'll post that information on our Facebook page. Um, so tune in and keep listening and thank you guys so much for your support. All right, guys, y'all have a great week and enjoy some football.